This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. This is Hal. And this is Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. Well, here we are in June, and we are looking forward to our trip to California later this month. Yes, it's going and to be in Pasadena with Chia of California. We're going to be there for the Christian Home Educators Association of California. We're keynoting that conference. And That'll be fun. We are looking forward to it. And so if you are in Southern California, by all means, you, you need to be supporting Chia and we would love to see you at that conference in Pasadena. And then after that, we've got um, we've got our our annual um, working vacation. Can yes. I say that? Can well, I call it a vacation? Working yes, vacation. Yes. Okay. The first week is nothing but vacation. Right. Y'all, we bought a hundred dollars of stuff from thrift books. Do you know how many books that is? Picture a laundry basket full of books. Yes. Okay. That's... And we're gonna read and swim and goof off for nothing nothing at all but the first week. Yeah, this is kind of like a psychic decompression. Yes, okay. and then we're going to start writing again, and yep. our kids will keep playing. Right, but we get to we get to write with a, a view. Yes, a beautiful view. So that that's an advantage. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite places on Earth, Hal. So we're looking forward to that. And well, you know, hmm? folks, we got to spend the first three months of our married life there on the lake. It's a happy place. It's a it's my happiest place. I love it there. Okay. And the kids always build a boat while we're there. Well, and we've got a new boat that we just finished up right when we, right at the end of last summer. So we've kind of got, this will be the first time they've actually gotten much time to use it. Yeah, they built, built a 16-foot canoe, right? That's right. And we've got a great downloadable product. If you are interested in building a canoe in your summer vacation, you ought to come out to our website at RaisingRealMen.com and look under look into the shop. There's a book on building your own canoe. The children tell me they're going to build another canoe this year. That's interesting. I'll, I'll be interested. I, I, I tell you what, that was a pretty intense project. It was a good project, and that's a slick-looking canoe, but I'm I'm not sure if I'm eager to repeat it this year. <laughs> well, Just, they say that we need another canoe, so we'll see how. Well, we'll see. Okay. But anyway, that's... Well, you know what? Our guys are of the age they can do these things. Well, you know, you're right, and that is a very good lead into what we need to talk about today. Well, you know, I remember... You were you were at a like a pregnancy centered banquet one time, and there was a mom and her seventeen year old daughter. It was a mother's banquet. It mother's was, banquet. It was okay. a mother's banquet, and my mom took me, mm-hmm. and this other mom took her seventeen year old daughter. Right. And we're introducing ourselves, and you know, talking about our families, and they were shocked to hear how many children we had. Of course. Sure. And then they said, "Well, what what are your what are your children doing for dinner? What?" What are your children and your husband doing? Did did you order them pizza or something? I said, I don't know. And they were shocked and they said, What do you mean? Didn't you didn't you make them some supper? And I said, No, there's plenty of stuff at the house. They'll make something. And they were just disbelieving. And the seventeen year old said, I wouldn't know to, know how to go about making a, a whole meal. And hell, I was just gobsmacked. I was blown away. Because she's gonna be leaving home. In a year. And she had no idea how to cook a meal. You know, whereas our our guys have, like, gone to state competitions in cooking when they were nine years old. And, 
you know, our one of our teenage guys won won the state fair in a category for for pound cake. That he the first time he'd ever done anything like that. He he won first prize in his category, and just you know, it was just an expectation that our guys learn how to cook. Well, people have a really there are the view, people's views of teens are extreme. Like you, know, mm-hmm. there's the father that we know, who told right. his 18 year old son, "If you don't find a job within two months after you graduate, I'm taking you down to the local recruiter." Um. Uh, mm, okay, that's rough. That's kind of harsh. And on the other hand, I'm thinking about a young married woman I know who told me, "My parents sheltered me so much, I never made a decision in my life." When my husband asked me to call a plumber when he left for work, I had a panic attack. And, you know, neither one of those extremes is appropriate, in my opinion. Those are not ideal parenting moves. Neither one of them. And, and, you know, both of those young people are doing fine now. It's been several years since since they graduated from high school, and both of them are doing fine. But, but, you know, that... That was a stress on the on the relationship with their parents, and it was a rough introduction into adult life for both of those young people. And I think it's it's avoidable. It's it's unnecessary that that should be difficult. Well, I think it just. I think that parents need to be intentional about raising adults. I think they need yep. to realize that their kids are not always going to be children, and nope. to work toward preparing them to be grownups. And you know what. When that Navy pilot climbs into his aircraft on the air on the aircraft carrier, and and he waits for that catapult to fling him off into the sky, even though that seems like a sudden launch, he's been in preparation for months and months and years before that moment happens. I mean, he's been he's been carefully trained in everything he needs to know practiced everything under the supervising eye of a of an instructor he's been in simulators he's been okay so he has he is ready to go long before that moment of launch and you know what we need to give our kids the same benefit yes we We need to give our we need to give our teenagers a long build-up before we put them on that catapult and fling them out into the world because they're gonna they're gonna fly one way or another and it's so much easier if they're prepared to fly because you know when parents are too controlling, mm-hmm. then their kids tend to either just become passive and never really develop any ambition or ability to stand on their own, mm-hmm. or they shake off and, and jerk away from their parents, and neither way is healthy. Yeah. When parents are too, when the parents don't care, mm-hmm. you know, that breaks relationships with their kids too. Because the kids feel like no matter what I do, you don't care. Some of them show out to try to get attention. Mm-hmm. You know, others try to push themselves incredibly hard to try to please parents who can never be pleased. And they're out there looking for approval and looking for connections outside of the home, outside of the the care and the love that their parents owed them. And yes. so, you know, that can put them at risk in other ways. And so... Um, well, you know, we kind of got... We kind of got booted into preparing our kids for adulthood without a whole lot of choice, Hal. Yeah. Because I have nightmare pregnancies. And you didn't sign up for that, I know. No, I had train wreck pregnancies. But what that meant was you ended up on a lot of bed rest. Oh, I bed rested for months with every one of our pregnancies after the first. It was remarkable because you would have periods of incredible productive frenetic activity 
followed by months and months of enforced downtime in bed. And and so, you know what? Things didn't just stop. No. You you had, had to, to keep going. You had to keep going. So you had to train our our sons first and then our daughters. You had to train our sons early to learn how to cook, to learn how to do laundry, to yeah. learn how to do basic housekeeping because there was going to be some months when you couldn't. You know, I felt so guilty, too, at the time because I felt like, oh, they should be able to be children. They're having to work too hard. I felt guilty. I felt like our children were having to work too hard. But in retrospect, I see what a blessing that was to them because they learned to um, they learned to work. They learned to do laundry and to clean house and to cook and to do clean and to fit and to work outside mm-hmm. and they learn to do it just as a matter of course without a whole lot of hullabaloo about it well we got that pattern started with our first several because it happened again and again but then you know we had some some other health issues come in later you know, in the last couple of the last couple of children you know i was diagnosed with cancer and was back and forth with lots of treatment and things that that were disrupting our normal family life. And And a couple of our children had some serious health issues. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's been good that everybody knew how to do chores. Everybody knew how to keep the house going. It's been a huge blessing. Really, it's been a blessing to them even after they left home because they've been able to take care of themselves and even use some of those skills for ministry. Like, you know, one of our kids cooked for everyone that would show up at his house on Friday nights. And it gave one of our other sons the skills to, to move off campus into a small apartment and to, to save money and avoid going into debt. And he could take care of his, he knew how to take care of his his own little house there and do all of his own cooking and his shopping and all the rest of that. So, I mean, that was good that they got that training when they were 10, 11, and 12 years old. And it had great benefits when they were 20 and 21. Well, and then, you know, when you bring up your cancer, how I think about how our kids learn to work at the book at the at our booth uh-huh. how, to, how they learn to work in our business to pick up slack because the doctor told you you could not work in the booth at conferences because you would have too much contact with people well my my immune system was completely shot because of the chemotherapy and he just said well you you can speak from a platform but you can't stand around shaking hands and that was when our teenage son said don't worry dad we'll take care of the book fair and they did and Wow, what a blessing that's been to us over the years. So, you know, in all of these things, you know, we we were forced to give our young people training and opportunity to step forward. Mm-hmm. But in so doing, we got to see what they were capable of. And it was really amazing what they were capable of. Mm-hmm. And those capabilities that they discovered as teenagers helped them immeasurably in college as they, you know, supported themselves and, and grew. Mm-hmm. And, and it opened doors for them. It gave them opportunities. They were prepared for life. And that's really the issue, is yeah. preparing our kids for life. Because when we look into the Word of God, the period that's called youth is not what we picture as youth. We think of youth as extended childhood. But people that are described as youth or youthful in the Scriptures are missionary pastors. And they are soldiers in the army and they are husbands and fathers and uh, have risen to the, to the throne and, and all kinds of things. And so you can be, you can be a very mature young person. You can mm-hmm. be a young person who has, who has got great accomplishments and great responsibilities, but you're still youthful. 
And I think that that's an important distinction to recognize that there's a time of childhood. There's clearly there's a time that that children are children. They are childish. That's just mm-hmm. by their nature, and they're supposed to be. But that transition into an adult framework comes earlier than I think we're used to in our culture. Well, it starts in the teens. Yeah. Because we see teens in the Word of God as missionary pastors and kings and warriors. I don't want my children to have to bear those responsibilities in their teens. No. But if we prepare them to be adults, then whatever God calls them to do, they'll be ready. Well, I don't, you know, I don't want our our sons to march off to war when they're 16 years old. But the fact that, that it has happened and it has been done in the past should tell us that they ought to be able to handle a little less dramatic stuff like driving. Yes. Like like holding down a job after school, you know, like being responsible for their own schoolwork. You know, if, if they, had, if in a different culture, they, they might've been responsible for, for ruling over a nation, then certainly we can expect them to rule over their own affairs to some extent. Yes. Absolutely. So I think that's, I think that's one of the challenges for us is to recognize that, that there's more, um, there's just so much more that they're capable of than, than is being expected. And that that's really the summation of it, that if you, if you anticipate that they're going to be able to handle it and you give them responsibilities and as they handle them faithfully, you give them more responsibilities, your teens are going to blow you, out, blow you out of the water. Yeah. Now, if you have a teen that's never borne any responsibility and he's 16 now, you maybe have a, have a bit of a battle on your hands. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to work toward changing his heart and changing his attitude toward work. Right. Right. Well, here's the thing. The ones that are described as youthful in Scripture, you know, and they're they're in responsible adult roles, and yet you see that there's there's still a lot of mentoring that's going on, still a uh, a lot of training and supervision that's going on. So, like, you know, young Timothy is a a church planting missionary pastor in a pagan country but he's still being mentored by the apostle paul okay he's still the apostle paul's still giving him advice and encouraging him in certain ways to think and to behave and to do and and so i think that that's that's appropriate as well that as we are encouraging our young people to step up and to be more grown up in their attitudes yet understand we're going to be right there behind them saying now here's here's a way you can do this a little better you know here's here's something you need to be aware of and, and to be watching out for mm-hmm. um now one of the things that that we've seen as our young people have you know have moved into this time frame is we can't treat them when they're 14 and 15 years old we can't treat them like we did when they were four and five you know it's really important because your discipline needs to transit transition mm-hmm. the way you speak to them needs to transition i was you know Let's take a break here. Yeah. And thank our sponsor. Okay. Because I've got some things I want to say about this. Okay. Well, let's come back to that. We just want to thank our sponsor, the well-planned gal, Rebecca Ferris. She has various planners for every homeschool need, and the prayer journal is brand new. I want to tell you a little bit more about them. A planner is not a planner unless it's a well-planned day planner. Rebecca Ferris is a homeschool mom who has a gift, and she shares her talents in her planner series. A few of the amazing planners available are the Well-Planned Day, 
student planners, and even the high school four-year planner. The newest planner is the well-planned prayer planner with an all-in-one planner and organizer. Organize your day with a focus on placing God first. Journaling 101, as well as scripture verses, which permeate this beautiful book. Take it everywhere, and you'll have all the information you need at your fingertips. Best of all, it becomes a keepsake and a wonderful guide for making prayer a priority. This journal is truly life-changing. Visit thewellplannedgal.com for more. All right, so, so we were talking about making a transition in our parenting as, as they are moving into the teen years or even into the preteen years, recognizing that, that relationships get strained in those time frames. A lot of relationships get broken in that time frame, but we can kind of avoid running onto those rocks if we're just aware of what's happening and, we'll, and make some, some, some changes in, in our relationship and in our parenting, don't you think? Oh, yes. I was talking to a mom recently, and she was really struggling with her relationship with her 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. And she said, he gets so mad when I correct him. Mm-hmm. And they, she was describing his anger. And in talking to her, I realized, you know, this is a mom with a really big family. She's dealing with six-year-olds and eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And she hadn't really realized that, you know... This kid is almost ready to be to leave home. Yeah. That maybe she needed to, to talk with him in a different way. And I said, well, if you thought I was doing something wrong, how would you talk to me about it? Right. And we talked about that. And I said, if you approach him one adult to another adult, yeah. he's going to be so much more open to correction. But if she's using the same tone of voice and the same preemptive sort of... Uh, approach with her 17 year old that she's using with his 10 year old brother then he's going to feel like you're treating me like like i was 10 years old right and he's going to be insulted and he's not going to respond well and that's i i suspect that's what was happening and and i think you know well there's a tendency and i realize we we kind of stumbled in this way a little bit at first that your first child comes along and they get to be 10 or 12 years old and there's some issues that you need to address and, and you, you lay down the rules and then you you turn to the next child and he when he gets to be 10 or 12 years old, you give him the same rules. And then the next one, 10 or 12, you give them the same rules. The next one at 10 or 12, you give the same rules. And, and you, you know, you've got a good set of rules here, except that by the time you get to the fourth one, that first one is now turning 18. And the rules needed to change somewhere in that time between 10 and 18. Those rules needed to change in recognition of the fact that, hey, that little that little boy is no longer a little boy. That he's yes. about he's about to step out as a young man, an independent adult, and you need to have a different kind of relationship, a relationship more of counsel and advice, and not of direction and restriction. Well, you're transitioning from the benevolent dictator that your 10 or 11 year old needs to the trusted advisor, your 19, 20 year old needs. Mm -hmm. And you've got to do that. You've got to transition. That means your discipline changes. The way you talk to them changes, the level of responsibility you expect from them changes. And I find that when I recognize our kids growing adulthood, that they're a lot more open to my direction. I, you know, I think there's a, there's a principle too. you know, if you look at commandments in scripture, the fifth commandment says, that thou shalt honor your father and your mother. 
But the commandments that are in Ephesians and in Colossians say, children, obey your parents. Now, you know, the, the fifth commandment's repeated in the New Testament too, and sometimes in the same passages, and it's very different. There's a very distinct change of words between honor and obey. And I think that if we recognize that when our children are adults, at whatever point you want to define it, but when our children are grown up, we should not expect them to obey us any longer. They should not be looking to us for orders, which we expect them to hop to and, and, you know, obey, but rather that they need to be, they need to be looking to us for advice, but then making their own decisions. You know, whereas the little kids, yeah, the little kids should obey. We want the older kids just to honor. And in order for them to do that, we've got to make a transition in our expectations and communicate that them, communicate that to them as well don't you think oh yes okay you know the interesting thing is that i found that our our kids seem to be more likely to do what we would advise them to do once they're in that 18 and up category the the adult category that where anybody recognizes them as an adult right that they're more likely to do what we would advise them to do than some of our friends who have been very controlling during that period. You know what? I've been kind of trying to think about that. And, you know, why do I think that might be? And I think really, truly, it's because we raise these children. We raise these young adults now from from birth. They've got their, their worldview was basically laid down by us. And so when we give them advice, it's it rings true to them because that's the lessons that we've been teaching them. It's consistent and all the rest. And there's, there hasn't been a disruption in there where they felt like they had to struggle to assert themselves as opposed to us right. to establish their independence and to establish their grown-up bona fides. And, and I think that's probably why that is. Well, you know, in fact, we tend to push them a little bit beyond, um, beyond what they think that they really can handle. And they tend to be um, looking back for advice rather than trying to push us away. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's, that, I think that's a good place to be because they've got to live their lives. They've got to make decisions. They need to have some insight. They need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. And that's an important thing, too, you know, that if we, if, if we boss our children from, from cradle to grave, I mean, if we, if we order our children around and expect them to obey every, every command that we give them, even when they're, even when they're in their 20s, where is their opportunity to listen to God's direction and to make it to make a choice to follow God? Seriously, and you know what? I want our kids to listen to the Lord. I want him then to follow Him because He's a whole lot better guide than I am. Yeah, right, right. And yet, we we forget sometimes. We think, well, yeah, we we've enjoyed having the Holy Spirit's guidance, but our, these kids of ours, I mean, they're just, you know what? They're just kids. They just don't, you but know. Is God not God? Honestly, yeah, but you know what? Sometimes we forget it. Sometimes we don't live like it, and isn't that isn't that really the problem? We it know is. better than we live, and so, and so this is this is one of those cases where we have to say, well, if if he's God, and if he guides his people, and these children of mine have confessed the Lord in their own lives, and I've seen fruit of it, and I have no reason to doubt it, then I need to step back. I need to I need to be available for advice, but I need to say, look, 
you have responsibility to God before you have responsibility to me. You need to take this up with God. You need to draw the principles out of the word. You need to seek out godly counsel. Oh, hey, I'm here. I'm, uh, I can help you with some of that. Yeah. But you've got to make your own choice because you're going to have to stand on it and you're going to have to account for it. That's not me. Yes. And that's an important thing. And we've got to recognize that if we want our young people to stand on the scriptures, to stand on God's guidance, to to make their own decisions, and not to be slavish followers of us or anybody else, we have got to prepare them for that, and it doesn't happen on their 18th birthday. We're going to have to be talking to them, preparing them from the time we start teaching them, giving them more and more independence and responsibility as they go through those teen years so that when they walk out of our home at 18 years old, or whenever that might be, they can stand on their own. I mean, it's going to be a big world. It's going to be exciting and all the rest of that. It always is. But they won't be unprepared. They won't... They will be excited, but not afraid, you know, yes, that they'll see that they'll see the potential. And that's what I want for our young people. And it just doesn't happen overnight. It's got to happen gradually over the course of years if it's going to take root and, and really flourish. And that's what we want for our kids. I want my kids to be strong adults, able to stand on their own and follow the and follow the word of God. Yep. I want them to be Christian adults. Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand the I don't understand the fear-based parenting because God is God. He is able to take care of our children just like he took care of us. And so, yeah. So I guess that's it. We need to be, we need to walk by faith and not by sight and not be full of fear. And we need to give our kids responsibilities. Lots of them. Mm -hmm. Only 28% of American families give their kids any chores. That's ridiculous. It's, it's irresponsible. Well, and that explains a lot about the economy, doesn't it? It really does. Instead, give your kids lots of responsibilities. Let them surprise you with how amazingly they can handle it. Well, I, for one, like having other grown-ups around the house to share the, some of the just the burdens of running the house. It really is cool. You know, we have, well, now that we've got our son home from college, you know, we've got four teenagers in our house, teenagers yeah. in early 20s. Right. And so it's like having six adults around here. And that's great. I mean, there's so much so much help for things. And, you know, if somebody needs to run an errand or, or need to take over responsibility for some project or something, it's, it's easy. You can divide it up. You know, why hold your kids back from stepping into those roles? I mean, it's to, it's to your own benefit and your own comfort. But, again, you've got to train them. You've got to support them. You've got to supervise them. And you've got, got to encourage them. them. Yes. Yes. Well, folks, mm-hmm. please forgive our yawning. We are a little sleep-deprived. We have finished how many weeks in a row? I don't know. We've done a bunch of conferences in a row all over the country, and we're a little bit worn out, but we've had a great time. And it's been so much fun meeting so many of you. I love it when you come up come up, and say, I listen to your podcast. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate that. Yep. And let us know that you're enjoying it. Go out and rate it on iTunes. Tell your friends. Yep. Spread the word. And we will be back next week mm-hmm. with new ideas. If you have anything you want us to talk about, hey, come out to facebook.com slash raising real men. Yep. Or Instagram slash raising real men or mm-hmm. anywhere. Tag us, Twitter, tag us. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We would love to take your subject and bring it to the podcast. That's a great idea. All right. Well, look, 
Um, that's going to wrap us up for this week, but we do appreciate you spending some time with us and hope that that's been encouraging and uh, thought provoking for you. And so until next time, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. We'll talk to you later, okay? Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.